Hi, I'm Brad Constantine, and this is a Come Follow Me podcast of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Although this is not an official podcast of the church, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. This year's study is the Book of Mormon. Each week, a new summary podcast of that week's Book of Mormon chapters will be released. But if you want a more detailed analysis of each individual chapter, those will also be available to listen to. I hope this Come Follow Me resource will be helpful to you. As always, you can subscribe to this podcast so you'll be notified each week of a new episode. I hope you like this uh, format. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast for the Come Follow Me lessons. This will be lesson number 21, covering Mosiah 29 through Alma 4 for the period May 25th through the 31st. So just a little background on this one. Uh, this begins a period when the people are governed by the rule of law and the voice of the people. Uh, this will be a difference uh, from what they've had before where they've had kings. And Mosiah, because he couldn't uh, give his kingdom to one of his sons, he's going to devise a, a different plan here uh, for them to have judges instead. Now this was a system of government which might be called theodemocratic in the sense that the voice of the people as well as the word and will of the Lord would form the basis for decisions made and laws instituted. Theocratic governments trace their origin to the earliest ages. Adam, our father, the first man, is the presiding high priest over the earth for all ages. The government the Lord gave him was patriarchal, and from the expulsion from Eden to the cleansing of the earth by water in the day of Noah, the righteous portion of mankind were blessed and governed by a patriarchal theocracy. This theocratic system, patterned after the order and system that prevailed in heaven, was the government of God. He himself though dwelling in heaven, was the lawgiver, judge, and king. He gave direction in all things, both civil and ecclesiastical. There was no separation of church and state as we now know it. All governmental affairs were directed, controlled, and regulated from on high. The Lord's legal administrators on earth served by virtue of their callings and ordinations in the Holy Priesthood, and as they were guided by the power of the Holy Ghost. That was by Bruce R. McConkie. So as we get into chapter 29, um, it says, uh, verse 1, Now when Mosiah had done this, he sent out throughout all the land among all the people desiring to know their will concerning who should be their king. It came to pass, it came to pass that the voice said that it should be Aaron. He was probably the oldest. That's why they named him. Aaron had gone up to the land of Nephi. Therefore, the king could not confer the kingdom upon him. Neither upon any of the sons of Mosiah. Were, they were, none of them were willing to take upon them the kingdom. Therefore, Mosiah sent again among the people, even a written word sent, sent he among them, and these are the words that were written, saying, uh, O my people, uh, O my brethren, for I esteem you as such, I desire that you should consider this cause which ye are called to consider. And so now he's going to explain to them uh, that since my sons don't want to be the king, um, let us, in verse 10, let us be wise and look forward to these things and do that which will make for the peace of this people. Therefore, if it were possible that you could have just men to be your kings who would establish the laws of God and judge this people according to his commandments, if ye could have men uh, for your kings, as as was my father Benjamin, uh, I say unto you that this could, if this could always be the case, then it would be expedient that you have kings. Uh, but because you can't do that, uh, let's let's come up with a different way. Uh, he says in verse 21, Behold, um, I say unto you, ye cannot dethrone an iniquitous king, save it be through much contention and the shedding of blood. Therefore, choose you by the voice of this people, judges, that ye may judge that ye may be judged according to the laws which have been given you by our fathers, which are correct and which are given them by the hand of the Lord. So here he's telling us to, to, that they needed to have judges established and that they should be selected among from among the people. Uh, he mentions in 26, now it's not common that the voice of the people desireth anything contrary to that which is right, 
but it is common for the lesser part of the people to desire that which is not right. Therefore, this shall ye observe and make it your law to do your business by the voice of the people. And if the time comes that the voice of the people doth choose iniquity, then it is time that the judgments of God will come upon you. Yea, then is the time he will visit you with great destruction, even as he hath hitherto visited this land. So that's a key to our success and our safety in our country, is that as soon as we uh, become more wicked than righteous, then that's time that the Lord's going to... Um, remove any safeties that are in place and uh, destroy us or cause problems to happen in the in the country. Uh, and so he establishes this system of judges and that there will even be judges uh, that the lower judges can judge the higher judges if they're if they turn bad. And so he sets up this whole um, process here and then he says in verse 34 and every man might bear his part. So the people are also going to have a responsibility here to make sure that the the this the Thus, the people are safe and that there is safety and freedom and so on. Uh, and so in verse 38, there they, they relinquished their desires for a king and became exceedingly anxious that every man should have an equal chance throughout all the land. And so they're, they're going to love this uh, freedom that they're going to get, uh, but that's also going to cause some problems. Uh, so they came to pass that they did appoint judges in verse 41. Uh, Alma was appointed to be the first chief judge. Uh, and uh, he being also the high priest, uh, having after having uh, conferred the, the high priesthood upon him by his father. And so now they've established uh, this, uh, this system of government. Uh, I just want to read you a little bit of an explanation of this because it's uh, quite fascinating. Um, this system initiated by Mosiah, although not explicitly detailed in the Book of Mormon, may have followed the pattern that Moses used among the ancient Israelites, Mosiah may have given his, gotten his ideas for a system of judges from the brass plates. This same pattern was also used by the Anglo-Saxons, which system was also used by the founding fathers of the United States of America. And this is according to W. Cleon Skousen in his book, The 5,000-Year Leap. As the founders studied the record of the ancient Israelites, they were uh, intrigued by the fact that they also operated under a system of laws remarkably similar to those of, of the Anglo-Saxons. The two systems were similar both in precept and operational structure. In fact, the Reverend Thomas Hooker wrote the fundamental orders of Connecticut based on the principles recorded by Moses in the first chapter of Deuteronomy. These fundamental orders were adopted in 1639 and constituted the first written constitution in modern times. This constitutional charter operated so successfully that it was adopted by Rhode Island. When the English colonies were converted over to independent states, these were the only two states which had constitutional documents, which readily adopted themselves to the new order of self-government. All of the other states had to write new constitutions. Here are the principal characteristics of the people's law in ancient Israel, which were almost identical with those of the Anglo-Saxons and which were adopted by our country. One, they were set up as a commonwealth of, of free men. A basic tenant was... Proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. Uh, number two, all the people were organized into small management units or manageable units where the representative of each family had a voice and a, and a vote. This organizing process was, was uh, launched after Jethro, the father-in-law of Moses, saw him trying to govern the people under, under ruler's law. When the structure was completed, the Israelites were organized as follows. Moses as president with Aaron as vice president over internal affairs and Joshua as vice president over military. 
a council of 70 or a Senate, elected representatives of Congress, leaders over a thousand families, leaders or judges over a hundred families, leaders over 50 families and leaders over 10 families with over three million people with power to govern themselves. Three, there was, there was specific emphasis on strong local self-government. Problems were solved at the greatest possible extent on the level where they originated. Four, the entire code of justice was based primarily on reparation to the victim rather than fines and punishment by the Commonwealth. The one crime for which no satisfaction could be given was first-degree murder. The penalty was death. Five, leaders were elected and new laws were approved by the common consent of the people. And six, accused persons were presumed to be innocent until proven guilty. Evidence had to be strong enough to remove any question of doubt as to guilt. Borderline cases were decided in favor of the accused and he was released. It was felt that if he were actually guilty, his punishment could be left to the judgment of God in the future life. So that's uh, some inter interesting information about the, the judges and, and uh, how that's uh, also been used in our country as well. Although there are some problems currently that we need to fix. All right, let's go to the book of Alma. We know that the heading to the book of Alma uh, was written by Mormon. That was also translated by the prophet Joseph Smith and uh, heads, the, heads the beginning of the book of Alma. So now we begin to also change the, the calendar uh, so that now we're talking about the first year of the reign of the judges. And so now we have uh, the time period being kept uh, according to when the judges began. Uh, so let's go down to verse, uh, uh, let's see. We have an incident happening here um, in verse um, two. It came to pass in the first year uh, that there was a man brought before him to be judged, a man who was large and was noted for his much strength. He'd gone about the people preaching to them that which he termed the word of God bearing down against the church. Uh, and this is the first time that someone's preaching against the church this way, declaring to the people that every priest and teacher ought to become popular and they ought to uh, not labor with their hands. He also testified that the people, that all mankind should be saved at the last day and that they need not fear nor tremble. Uh, so as he's uh, coming forth to do this, it came to pass as he was going to preach to those who believed on his word, he met a man who belonged to the church of God yea, even one of their teachers, and he began to contend with him sharply that he might lead away the people of the church. Uh, but the man withstood him, astonishing or admonishing him with the word of God. And the, the name of the man was Gideon. He's the same Gideon that helped uh, the people escape uh, from the hands of the Lamanites. Uh, this same Gideon was he who was an instrument in the hands of God in, in delivering the people of Limhi. And now verse 9, because Gideon withstood him, with the words of the God, he was wroth with Gideon and drew his sword and began to smite him. Now Gideon being stricken with many years, he's probably about 50 years old. Therefore, he was not able to withstand his blows. Therefore, he was slain by the sword. So this man, uh, whose name is Nehor, uh, kills Gideon. And, uh, and, the, and the interesting thing here is that when Alma meets him in verse 12, he says, this is the first time that priestcraft has been introduced among this people. It seems like Alma's more concerned about the priestcraft that occurred rather than the murder that occurred. Uh, and behold, thou art not guilty of, alone of priestcraft, but, all, but hast endeavored, it, endeavored to enforce it by the sword. And were priestcraft to be enforced among this people, it would prove their utter destruction. And so uh, mentions here that uh, in verse 13, that he has shed the blood of an innocent man, and therefore uh, he has to be slain. And so... Uh, verse 14, it says, Thou art condemned, condemned to die. Um, and, 
and so he's killed in, in verse 15. He's taken to the hill Manti and and uh, killed there. Verse 16, it mentions that, but this doesn't put an end to the uh, the spreading of priestcraft. And so that this is a, a problem that's going to happen among the Nephites uh, throughout their existence here. Um, and also mentions in 19, it came to pass that whosoever did not belong to the church of God began to, to persecute those that did belong to the church. Uh, verse 22, there were many among them who began to be proud even and began to be warmly, uh, to contend warmly with their adversaries. So now we get a, 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 some division here among the people. Uh, verse 25, this was a great trial to those that did stand fast in the faith and keeping the commandments. They did impart of their substance every man according to that which he had to the poor. And this they did to establish the affairs of the church. And because of the steadiness of the church, they began to exceedingly become exceedingly rich. Uh, that's also going to cause a problem. Uh, verse 30, there was in this prosperous circumstances, they did not send away any who were naked or who were hungry. Uh, and thus they did prosper and became far more wealthy than those who did not belong to the church. And, uh, and so now let's go to chapter 3 of Alma. Uh, so now it came to pass in the commencement of the fifth year of the reign of the judges, there was a man called Amlesai. And you may be wondering why I would call him Amlesai, not Amlekai. Uh, it's pronounced Amlesai. Uh, how do you know that? Well, in the back of the Book of Mormon, there's a pronunciation chart, and I looked it up, and it says Amlesai. So if you want to look it up, go for it. In Hebrew, the word Amlekai means something like king or wanting to become king. The Hebrew cluster A-M-L-K is found in many names associated with the Nehors, including Amalekiah and the Amalekites. Um, and so this is, uh, so Amlesai uh, may be, um, because he wants to be king, is given that name. Uh, it says here, he being a very cunning man and a wise man as to the wisdom of the world, he being after the order of the man who slew Gideon, uh, he was exceedingly, and he was who was executed according to law. Now this Amlesai had by his cunning drawn away many people after him. And so he's again drawing away parts of the people here. Uh, it came to pass in verse 5 that the people assembled themselves throughout all the land, every man according to his mind, whether it were will be for or against Amlesai in separate bodies, having much... Uh, having much dispute and marvelous or wonderful contentions one with another. And thus they did assemble themselves together. And it came to pass that the voice of the people came against Amlesai, that he was not made king over the people. And uh, now this caused much uh, joy to those that were not in favor of Amlesai. Uh, but, but those that were gathered together uh, that were in Amlesai's favor actually consecrated him to be their king. And when Amlesai was made king over them, he commanded them that they should take up arms against their brethren, that they that they might fight them and uh, put them, make them subject unto them. Now the people of Amlesai were distinguished by the name of Amlesai being called Amlesites, and the remainder were called Nephites, or the people of Nephi. Therefore the people of Nephi were aware of the intent of the Amlesites, and therefore they did prepare to meet them. Yea, they did arm themselves with swords and with scimitars and so on. And thus they were prepared to meet the Amlesites at the time of their coming. And there were appointed captains and higher captains and so on. Uh, 19 or 18, nevertheless the Lord did strengthen the hand of the Nephites that they slew for the Amlicites a great slaughter and they began to flee from before them. And it came to pass that the Nephites did pursue the Amlicites all the day and did slay them with much slaughter insomuch that they were, they were slain of the Amlicites. I didn't realize there were this many people. That's a lot. 12,530 and two souls. And they were slain of the Nephites, 6,560 and two souls. That's a lot of people. Uh, so the Amlicites are now fleeing away, uh, and they camp for the night in chapter two, in verse 20. Uh, Alma sends spies to follow the remnant of the Amlicites, and uh, the spies come back in a hurry, 
Um, in verse 23, it came to pass that they returned into the camp in great haste and said that the, we followed the camp of the Amalekites into our astonishment. Uh, they've joined with the Lamanites and they are in the course toward the land of Nephi uh, to destroy the people in the city. And so uh, Alma and his people get up in a hurry and they get going and they follow after them. Um, in verse 27, behold, as they were crossing the riverside and the Lamanites and the Amalekites, being as numerous as it were the sands of the sea came upon them to destroy them. But the Nephites being strengthened by the hand of the Lord, having prayed mightily to, the, to him that he would deliver them out of their hands, uh, he did strengthen them. And it came to pass that Alma fought with Amalekite with the sword face to face and they did contend mightily with one another. And it came to pass that Alma being a man of God uh, exercised faith and cried unto the Lord and uh, he did slew Amalekite with the sword. And verse 31. And he also contended with the king of the Lamanites, but the king of the Lamanites uh, sent his guards to fight for him. And uh, he gets away. Uh, Alma and his guards contend with the guards of the Lamanites. And so he clears the ground so that they can uh, continue to pursue after the Lamanites. And they all crossed the river Sidon that the Lamanites and the Amalekites began to flee before them, notwithstanding they were so numerous. So there's a lot more Lamanites and Amalekites than Nephites, yet the Lamanites are, are running away from them. Um, and then they fled before the Nephites, verse 37, they were met on every hand and slain and driven until they were scattered on, on the west and the north until they reached the wilderness, which was called Hermounts. Now, Hermounts is an Egyptian word, according to Hugh Nimbley, that means uh, wild animal country, uh, which was infested by ravenous beasts. And those that, die, those that had wounds in the wilderness died there, and then they were eaten by the beasts that uh, lived there. Uh, and they couldn't go home because uh, with the death of Amalekai, the Lamanites didn't want them either. So when their king was dead, they had no place to go. Alma chapter 3, uh, the Amalekites had marked themselves. And so we know that, uh, that the Lord marks some people just so that the righteous will avoid them. And so the Amalekites here, those that are left, are marking themselves uh, to make sure that they are, uh, so that we know what they are and who they are. Uh, as many as the Lamanites in verse 3 and the Amalekites who had been slain upon the bank of the river of Sidon were cast into the waters of Sidon and their bones are in the depths of the sea. And the Amalekites were distinguished from their Nephites, from the Nephites, for they marked themselves with red in their foreheads. And so uh, they marked themselves this way so that they would be recognized. Um, and the, verse 6, the skins of the Lamanites were dark according to the mark which was set upon their fathers, which was a curse upon them. Now the curse was not the dark skin. The curse was that they... Uh, were just not able to have uh, the priesthood because of their wickedness and their um, not accepting of the gospel. Uh, down to verse uh, 11, it came to pass that whosoever would not believe in the tradition of the Lamanites, but believed those records which were brought out of the land of Jerusalem and also the tradition of their fathers uh, would be called Nephites. Came to, and, and it was they who kept the record which were true of their people. Uh, and then verse 13, we return again to the Amalekites, uh, for they had a mark upon them. And, uh, and it continues to talk about that. Verse 16 says, Again, I will set a mark upon him that fighteth against thee and thy seed. Uh, the Amalekites knew not that they were fulfilling the words of God by putting this mark on him, but uh, this was uh, in, pro in fulfillment of prophecy that the Lord would do that. And so they did. Um, also uh, in verse 27, Every man receiveth wages of him whom they listeth to obey. Those that uh, follow Satan, the wages that they receive will be death. Uh, verse or Chapter 5 of Alma. Uh, they began to establish the church more fully, and, and many were baptized in the waters of Sidon. Uh, they were baptized by the hand of Alma. That doesn't mean that he baptized everybody, but it was at least under his direction. Um, and that they consecrated uh, 
those high priests over the people of the church uh, uh, by the hand of Alma, uh, his father. And in the eighth year of the reign of the judges that the people of the church began to wax proud because of their exceeding riches and uh, their fine silks and their fine twine linen and they began to have pride. And uh, they began to persecute those that did not believe according to their own will and pleasure. And so now we, we have a problem among the members of the church. Uh, once they get proud, once they get rich, they start to have uh, these problems. Verse 10 mentions that this is a great stumbling block. Uh, and also to those that didn't belong to the church because they... Uh, there was nobody really to convince them of the, you know, why join the church when you, you turn out like this. And so there, um, this is a problem. Uh, verse 11, the commencement of the ninth year, Alma saw the wickedness of the church. And he saw also the example of the church began to lead, lead those who were unbelievers uh, from one piece of iniquity to another. And so he needs to regulate these things. So he's going to go forward uh, to uh, convince them to stop doing that. Uh, verse 12. He saw great inequality among the people. This was a great cause of lamentation. Uh, and uh, came to pass that Alma, having seen the afflictions of the humble followers of God and the persecutions which were heaped upon them by the remainder of his people and seeing all their inequality began to be very sorrowful. Nevertheless, the Spirit of the Lord did not fail him. And he selected a wise man who was among the elders of the church and gave him power according to the voice of the people that he might have power to enact laws according to the laws which had been given and put them in force according to the wickedness and the crimes of the people. Now this man's name was Nephi Ha. And so Nephi Ha becomes the chief, uh, the chief judge. And Alma says he wants to do this so that he can be the high priest over the church. And he's going to retain that position unto himself so that he could uh, then go preach the word of God unto the people. And so that's what Alma does now. Um, he sees that he must give up the judgment seat so that he can preach the gospel to the people. Uh, verse 20, Alma delivered up the judgment seat to Nephi and confined himself wholly to the high priesthood of the holy order of God, to the testimony of the word according to the spirit of revelation and prophecy. Anytime you see uh, where it mentions holy order of God, he's talking about Melchizedek priesthood. Uh, I know that these things are true, that this is, as I mentioned in the beginning of this lesson, that this is translated material, translated by the gift and power of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Bye.